BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Hello, my friend, and welcome to the 505th episode of the Sales Podcast. I'm Wes Schaefer, the Sales Whisperer, your host. Today we have Mr. Jack Bourne. Uh, great story. Uh, another guy that made a tool that he wished he had in his day job, his sales job, and then transitioned into that becoming his business. So we talk about building and growing um, a virtual team, uh, how he launched his product, um, how he kept a good attitude through it all, how important that is. Um, we get into honesty. Uh, it's always refreshing to hear, um, and the importance of marketing. Um, I've always said, people don't want to do business with you for one of two reasons. Either they haven't heard of you, or they have. So what are you doing to get noticed? What are you doing to make sure the good stuff gets out? And if you think marketing and sales are different, then you would be mistaken. Marketing is just selling in print. So that's why I've always always kept sales as the core, the foundation of what I do, because it spills into everything else. And as long as you understand the purpose of what you're doing is to grow your sales and you grow your income with the sales. Because look, there's people, there's companies out there that sell a lot and don't make any money. So, um, you know, the old adage, you know, we'll just make it up on volume. Well, if you're losing, you're losing. So you've got to, you've got to understand how sales plays into everything, the headline, the design, the imagery, the call to action, um, you know, the double readership path, the sidebars, bullets. I mean, all, all those things, yes, they are copywriting techniques, but they're sales techniques. I get into all of that and more in the sell more of everything program. And I work with clients on that on their, uh, you know, privately. So if you've got a launch coming up, you're trying to kick your salespeople in the rear, if you're trying to turn it up a notch, hit me up and let's talk. All right. We'll get into uh, a lot of the topics that I talked with uh, with Jack about here, um, and then we'll personalize it for your own situation. So just go to the saleswhisper.com, hit the contact us, and we will talk. Now, let's bring on our guest. Jack Bourne, the nearly Aussie, uh, all the way from Australia via Florida or Florida via Australia. Welcome to the Sales Podcast, man. How the heck are you? Yeah, I'm doing great. Great to be here. So you made the move, living in Australia. So you yep. you, you go out and you make this company, DeadlineFunnel.com. You, you build this internet business and then like you just go move halfway around the world, just 
because you could. I mean, what? Why you trying to rub our faces in it? Why? why you <laughs> yeah, it's been uh, it's been quite an adventure. So I've got a I've got a remote team. Um, I've got some people on the west coast of the, of the U.S. I've got some people in Florida. A lot of my coders are in uh, Ukraine, Serbia, various places like that. And so it's it's been really really interesting to go from uh, from the U.S. time zone, Eastern time zone to Australian time zone, because there's such a small overlap. Um, And, you know, so for example, I don't know if you typically do your podcast calls in the afternoon, but I appreciate you doing that. So it's morning here. Um, So it just makes it a little bit more challenging. But, you know, one of the challenges, uh, you know, one of the beauties of challenges in business is that if you have the right attitude, um, I, I tend to flip these things around and try to think about, okay, how can I turn this into a benefit? So um, just kind of rolling back the clock just a few years in 2015. um, That's when we took our initial trip to Australia for six weeks. And that was just a vacation. Um, And at the time I was trying to, uh, I I had a a growing team, uh, nowhere near as big as it is now, but um, I was still holding on to a bunch of tasks and responsibilities that I just felt like, even though I've got this team, like it's just hard to let go of these things. Just sometimes I'm a perfectionist and and I'm sure some people listening can relate. So what I found is that when I set that deadline of, okay, this is in in 2015, I'm going on this six week trip. Um, I didn't want to be getting up at three in the morning to be able to handle these roles and responsibilities. So there was a guy on my team named Anthony, who's uh, still there to this day. And I said, Anthony, if you want to grow into this bigger role, here's what I need. So let's work together. Let's come up with, you know, this, this sort of uh, roadmap for how we get to a place where I'm not getting up at 3 a.m. and you're taking on more responsibility and you're getting paid more. Let's, let's work together on this. And that honestly, like that looming deadline of going on that six week trip and wanting to be as hands off as possible was one of the best things that I ever did for my, my business. So, you know, I, I really, for me, that's always been a lesson of, you know, when something, cause you know, there's always something coming up, something unexpected. And so can you, can you mentally just sort of in, in a stoic way, look at it and say, okay, it wasn't what I expected. Maybe not what I initially wanted, but how can I turn this around and turn this into a benefit? So yeah, the um, move into Australia has had a lot of benefits, but one of them is not overlap and, and the ability to do meetings at any time of the day. And so that just makes me a whole lot more efficient with my time. So, and to, you know, to grow my team even, even greater to take on even more responsibility. So yeah, it's, it's been a, it's been a really positive change. Not always easy, but it's been positive. So you went from, you made a big pivot, right? From financial advisor, like I was in the late nineties to marketing out. What, what drove that? Yeah. So um, I don't know if this was your experience of the, of starting in the financial services world, but at Merrill Lynch, where I was in the late 90s, um, you go through about a two and a half, three year training program where if you hit certain numbers, you're getting bonused um, and then you get out of the training program and now you're flying on your own. But my experience was there was a tremendous cliff, a big drop off in income um, that basically if you you could you could hit all of their numbers and come out at the top like I did. But then your your revenue, your income gets basically cut in half unless you've got 
someone's book of business that you're going to sort of work your way into. And so I didn't have that. Some of the people in my class did. Um, so I hung on for about another two years and did my best to grow the book of business. But the writing was kind of on the wall. And at the same time, I was consuming a lot of marketing material from folks like Dan Kennedy, uh, Perry Marshall. And one thing that you know is that the financial services industry, especially the, uh, the big name ones like, like Merrill Lynch, uh, Morgan Stanley, et cetera, they, they, don't, they don't look too kindly on creative marketing techniques. Uh, you you got to really color within the lines. And um, you, basically what you end up having is a bunch of very boring marketing materials to use. And so it's really not being in business for yourself. You're, you're, you're much more of an employee of a company. And so I'm reading about all these ideas. The internet is, is there. Um, and I can't use all this information that I'm learning about. And so I had an opportunity to go work for a Merrill Lynch client in the healthcare space. So I left Merrill Lynch, uh, did that. I thought it was going to be everything that I wanted. It turned out to be, you know, I, I turned in uh, a confining corporate job for an even worse confining corporate job. And after a year of that, I, me and my boss both realized I'm not cut to be an employee. So I went out on my own, um, started, um, well, I'll try to fast track the story, but basically I didn't build Delta and Funnel right away. I built another, uh, basically a, another SaaS. They didn't call it SaaS at, at the time. Built another SaaS. I did a, a what ended up being a launch. I didn't know it was a launch. This was before Jeff Walker had codified how you do a launch, but I ended up just kind of backing my way into doing it. Um, and yeah, so that, that worked out really well. Some things went my way, did some things smart, got a little bit lucky. Um, so a combination of those two things really kickstarted my internet, internet career. Um, so from there, I ended up working like a few years later, I had an opportunity to go work for Perry Marshall, um, who's um, thought leader, book author, um, <clears throat> worked with him for about six years. It was a great experience. But then that old entrepreneurial itch kicked in again. And I built a software as a service company called AW Pro Tools, which um, that took AWeber, which was really one of the first email autoresponder systems that come on the market, maybe the first, um, but it really fell behind in terms of functionality. And so my software really brought it up to speed with, say, Infusionsoft, or at least brought it closer. And so someone who used AWeber, who didn't want to leave AWeber, but they wanted more automation and more things like that, they could plug my system into uh, AWeber and have a lot more automation. Uh, I sold that off to an investor a few years later um, because I wanted to do something where I wasn't restricted to just one small group of people who are using one specific platform. And I built Deadline Funnel. I've left out a few chapters along the way, but that's basically it. Uh, I built Deadline Funnel. I'll keep this one short too, but I built Deadline Funnel because as a student of persuasion and sales, I knew that one of the most reliable ways to get someone to take action on a special deal or special promotion was the use of a deadline, urgency, scarcity, uh, different names for similar things. <clears throat> but at the time, there was no real way to do this in an automated email sequence so that it was automated and you were telling the truth. And I thought, huh, what if there was a way that you could sync up at the time Perry Marshall was using Infusionsofts, and I know that you also use Infusionsoft now, Keep. Um, and so I was thinking, okay, well, what if, you know, Perry's a big fan of automated email sequences. I've really bought into this concept. What if there was a way to bring someone through your automated sequence 
make them a special deal after you've developed no like and trust and then have a deadline, but it actually was in fact real. And so I went out figuring, I went looking for it because I figured surely someone's created this. No one had. And so I built it and that was deadline funnel. So I wanted to be able to give myself and what turned into the world, the ability to have a deadline to increase sales um, and do it in an automated fashion without having to make the choice of, okay, am I going to choose this? But the trade-off is I have to be dishonest with my audience. So now you don't have to make that trade-off. So that's, that's deadline funnel in a nutshell. All right. Lot to unpack there. Uh, now I'm going to make an educated guess knowing Perry sure. Marshall and that world and Dan Kennedy. I mean, your eyes are probably open. You, you saw a lot of, um, under the hood, but behind the curtain sort of world around email marketing, marketing automation and all. So is that where you started to get the inspiration uh, to, to dip your toe in those waters, um, you know, making these tools? Because people would be like, how do you go from being a stockbroker to making marketing automation software as a service plugins, you know? Yeah, I mean, so I, I, I compressed about... Uh, so I, I left my last corporate job in 2001. So what is that? 20, like I compressed 20 years into hopefully a pretty short time frame. Sure. So there were many years where I, you know, even before I started working with Perry Marshall, where I bought into the concept that um, at the time, believe it or not, this is going to blow some people's minds, but um, at the time you could buy traffic for five cents or less. And so there was a school of thought that, well, why would I want to send people, you know, waste the time building an email list and going through all the trouble of having emails follow them down? Let's just go directly for the sale because the economics were such and the rules with Google were such that you could send traffic directly to an affiliate page and, um, you know, make sales that way and play the arbitrage of what it costs for you to get people to the page versus what you got paid in affiliate commission. Well, Perry was one of the first people to come up with the idea and to really popularize that, look, if you, if you hold off going for the sale and you bring them onto a list where you don't just pound them to, to buy, but you develop a bond and you develop no like and trust, you use some storytelling. Um, you know, some people are just not going to resonate with your message. That's marketing. But a higher percentage of people are end up going to buy that and they're going to end up buying other stuff. And so this is something that, you know, wasn't an immediate thing that I just went from working for Merrill Lynch to, hey, let's build plug-in like software that taps into email marketing systems. It was a gradual thing. But by the time I built Deadline Funnel, yeah, you know, it was the idea of lead generation um, was starting to catch on. At the time, there wasn't just Infusionsoft and Aweber. Um, you know, Entreport was coming on the scene. I don't know if Active Campaign was around, but it, this was just before things like ConvertKey came on came on board. So, you know, email marketing. I think people in, and also traffic costs were rising, and so to to be able to make their business model work, a lot of people who were doing business online, regardless of what you sold, were realizing, hey, it's going to work a lot better for me if I develop a tribe of people who go from, I just heard about you over here to, wow, I really love your stuff. I really get you or you get me. Um, and so that, I mean, that's the concept behind email marketing done well. 
Um, and so really adding on top of that is um, using, using Dublin. So I don't know if I answered your question, but you know, it, it, it was, it was a more gradual process, but it didn't take, it didn't take a whole lot of time for me to become indoctrinated to the idea that lead generation was going to work a lot better because it had worked on me. I, I was um, a subscriber to Perry Marshall's emails and some of them, you know, not every email is a blockbuster, but I remember some of them I would print out and keep because I thought, man, this is some of the best stuff I've ever read on marketing, persuasion, sales. You know, so when someone is printing out your email and filing it away for future reference, um, that's, that's a good sign that you've done things well. Mm-hmm. How did you know you were ready to go on your own? Uh, did you build up a certain revenue or did you <laughs> dive in? Are you talking about when I, when I quit my last corporate job? Right. Uh, yeah, I almost, I mean, I, I came, I was a little bit more hot-headed back then. I didn't have kids either. Now I've got two beautiful daughters. Um, so there, there was less risk, but um, after about a year of frustration, um, you know, it, was, it, it turned out to be a blessing that I hated my bosses so much that um, it wasn't a matter of, well, I'll just kind of put up with this. We came to the point where, I mean, I, I wanted to do him physical harm. I didn't, but, you know, we, we both realized this is not, this is not for you. Um, and I had a, a great friend, a uh, guy that I've known almost all my life named Scott, who, uh, who believed in me and said, hey, man, I need, a, I need a website for my business. I'll pay you a thousand bucks to build me this website. So that was really the, the, the first start. And then for about a year, I took on some really odd jobs, some pretty strange uh, jobs, actually. Um, so you were in the military. Um, so the, one of the, one of the jobs that I had was, um, a guy who worked for court furniture in Florida. Um, so I was in Jacksonville, Florida, they had the JFK aircraft carrier and they were revamping the whole inside of that. And so for about three months, uh, my job was bringing office with, with a crew of people bringing office furniture in and, um, and, you know, basically helping supply, office furniture and moving around office furniture on this, um, on this aircraft carrier. I don't know how many tens of millions of dollars they spent revamping this aircraft carrier, but shortly after they did it, they decommissioned the JFK. So <laughs> go figure. <laughs> the government. That's right. Yeah. Yep. 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 Don't get me distracted, man. Don't get me off topic here. <laughs> uh, so, so you go from that one tool and you made the shift and yeah, you know, that's why I, I, branched into others as well i had had too many um too many eggs in that one basket of infusion soft you know i got certified with entreport then hubspot nimble marie seller of active campaign and you know i try to help people find the right tool um you know from the top five six seven platforms out there um you you sell yours so you can branch out um but you were uh, just going through your LinkedIn, you know, just timeline, you had already laid the foundation for deadline funnel, right? Before you sold AW pro tools. Um, so I would say, no deadline funnel. So deadline funnel started, I would say in the middle of me creating AW pro tools. So AW pro tools was something that I started when I was working with Perry um, and my deal with Perry Marshall was, look, you need to know that you're hiring an entrepreneur. Um, 
originally I was planning on working with Perry for six months. It turned into six years just because I really enjoy the guy. And it was an amazing opportunity to network and meet other people. Um, can't say enough good things about, you know, my time with him. Um, but like I said, that entrepreneurial bug really kicked in. I mean, it's, if it's in your genes, it's in your genes. And so um, I started building AW Pro Tools on the side, um, you know, and then about two years into that, I started creating Deadline Funnel. Uh, I might I might be off by a year or two, but that's that's basically the um, you know the chronology of of how that happened. So, you know, picture this: I'm I'm helping Aweber clients make their email marketing more automated to be more like Infusionsoft or Entreport or Active Campaign. So by this time, you know, it's, it's clear to me, it's very, very clear to me, not just the power of follow-up emails, but the power of um, behavior-based segmentation, follow-ups based on tags and what people click, et cetera. And, um, and so, you know, the, the idea of, of what if we could build in a, a deadline was really, really appealing to me. Uh, but I wanted to do it in a way, because look, I didn't invent the countdown. But at the time, you could go get a countdown just like you can today and slap it on your website. And, you know, you could say the deal ends tonight. But if someone comes back the next day, they're going to see that it didn't end. And so I didn't want that. I wanted to be completely honest and straightforward. So um, I wanted to be able to assign each unique person as they went through that sequence. Like, you know, someone gets a tag and like someone takes your quiz. You've got a quiz on, you know, See if see if, what CRM is best for you. So as they go through that, you might have a training course. I'm just making this up. But at the end, like you might develop no like and trust, give them some great information and say, look, it looks like uh, Entreport, for example, is the best CRM for you. I happen to have built a 20 hour training that will take you from novice to expert on Entreport and save you thousands of dollars. And if you sign up through my link before 48 hours, I'll give it to you. Normally I sell it for 200 bucks on my website, but you can have it now for free if you sign up for Entreport's free trial in the next 48 hours. And so um, what my system gives you the ability to do is to make that deadline real, that if someone waits, they in fact cannot get that deal anymore. Um, so that's, that's really how, how it works. And, and it's all, you know, it really ties in beautifully with behavior based segmentation or lead generation, like you're doing with your CRM quiz. Mm-hmm. Very cool. So what does the process look like for somebody wanting to start their own software as a service? Uh, yeah. Do you hire a guy on Fiverr. Do you, do you whiteboard it and, call your best friend, you know, like, yeah. where do you even start? Yeah, that's, that's a really good question. So the, um, you know, I've, I've had, I've had a string of successes. And one of the, one of the things that I would say is, you know, part of it, honestly, is, is luck. But I think a big component of it is that I built these tools for a need that I had. So if, you know, that sometimes that can lead you astray, but I think it's, I think it's safer than a lot of methods out there. So a lot of entrepreneurs build something that solves a problem that they at first have. Um, it's not a guaranteed path to success. It's, there's no guarantee that just because you're suffering uh, from a certain problem that thousands of other people are as well. Uh, but it's a good signal. 
I would say the, you know, if, if this is not, if you have an idea that might involve software, that is not necessarily something that um, is a pain point that you have, or even if it is, I would say before you do anything, even before you do um, mock-ups um, or certainly before you go hire someone, what you should do is what's called customer development. And so basically customer development would be if I went to you, Wes, and, and, I, and I asked you questions about you know, a certain, uh, certain problem that you have. So it was about CRMs. I might, one of the most effective things that you can do when you're interviewing someone is you don't want to ask them about, like you don't want to present your idea like, hey, Wes, here's the thing I'm thinking about building. What do you think? Because if, if you and I have any sort of relationship whatsoever, you're probably going to want to be optimistic and supportive of me. You don't want to be the Debbie Downer who goes, ah, that, that idea is horrible. But what I want is I want accurate feedback because I don't want to waste my time over the next year or so building this out only to find out, yeah, I don't know why Wes told me that he wants this because no one's buying this. So if you want accurate feedback, the most important thing is that you want to go around and ask people what they actually have done. So I would ask you, so if, if I was thinking about building a new CRM, I would ask you about, hey, what, what CRM are you currently using? How much do you currently spend on it? What are the biggest frustrations that you currently have? How are you trying to solve those frustrations? Like, for example, are you hiring VAs to come in and you know, solve that big problem? Um, are you buying other softwares? Are you basically duct taping a solution together with Zapier and all these other things? And so I would just get really curious about the things that you're currently doing. And that process in the software space is called customer development. And there's books written on it. Um, and so I would make sure that I did at least 10, but ideally 20 custom, customer development calls so that you can get some, some idea of, is this actually a pain point that other people have? And one of the key things that I mentioned this before, but you really want to hold off and prevent yourself from pitching your idea. Like, Hey, great. Sounds like, sounds like you might be interested in this thing that I'm building. Like you, this is not the time to present that. So you really want to make this about their pain, what they're doing, what they're spending money on actions that they've taken and not ask them anything that has to do with what they might do in the future. Would you buy this? Would you be interested in this? Because they're not going to give you accurate information, even if they, try to. Whereas people are much better at giving you accurate information about what they've already done and what they're currently doing, the pain points that they have, those sorts of things. And so that's where you're just solely investigating. Is there a problem? What are the nuances of the problem? How do they describe the problem? And so you really want to get super clear on that before you do anything. And then from there, before you go hire someone, what I would do is I would use something as simple as Keynote or PowerPoint and mock up a few of the key screens because you don't need to be a fancy designer. Basically, if you can cut and paste, you can create mock-ups of you know, what it looks like. It doesn't even have to be pretty, but basically you want to, um, you can create um, slide decks that are even clickable and you could do a Zoom meeting where so you share the link and someone is clicking on stuff and you can hear them thinking out loud. So there, there are books and books and books written on this topic. So what I would say is if someone is interested in building a software platform, um, it's, it's very challenging. It can be extremely rewarding, but um, there are, there's danger ahead. Um, so make sure that you take the time to, to understand customer development. And then um, I would also recommend becoming very familiar with a concept called lean startup, which is basically building a minimum viable product. So I would, I would spend the next month 
consuming as much information as you could on customer development, lean startup, and those sorts of concepts before you just run off and hire someone to start building something. Because it's very, very easy to spend a lot of money on software um, and then have the project just stretch on and on and on and on. And then you either lose passion, you lose money, someone beats you to the punch. And so this is one of those cases of, I think the Navy SEALs talk about this, um, slow is smooth and smooth is fast. Yep. So you really, you really want to slow down uh, because slowing down and doing things in the right sequence, the right way, actually in the long run ends up being faster. So who, who are you doing these calls with? I mean, is it are you literally cold calling like ideal prospects or people you think, or, you know, yeah. you, um, you know, it, it really depends on what you're starting with. So for example, if, if it were me um, having built up a business in this space, like if I'm, if I'm selling something to the same audience, I would just reach out to people who are existing clients. I might do a start with a survey. And one of the questions on the survey would be, Hey, would you be willing to get on a 10 minute call um, with me uh, to talk about this further? And if they answer yes, then take them to a Calendly form or something like that, some sort of scheduler where they can schedule a call and then I would get on a call with them. If you don't have a list, you're just starting completely cold. Um, yeah. Reach, you know, reach out to, you know, try to figure out who, who in that audience, um, you know, where, where is your audience? I mean, that's one of the very first things you need to figure out is, okay, who am I, who am I selling this to? I mean, fundamentally the, the software that you end up building or whatever it is that you're building, whether it's a coaching program, an online course or anything, uh, people are buying it for that end result. That's just the delivery mechanism for that transformation in their life or their business or their, you know, their family. So, you know, think about who am I selling this to and what problem pain point do they have that my software is going to solve? So where do these people congregate? Well, okay. If there's a community and usually the answer, there's a couple different answers, but you should think through this process. All right. Well, if there's a community of them on Facebook, can I join that community? And after, you know, getting in there and sort of seeing what questions people ask, maybe you could, you know, if you're allowed to post a question of, Hey, uh, I've got an idea uh, that I want to uh, run by 10 people. Could you, you know, I'd, I'd love to talk with you about the pain points that you have around X, Y, Z. And here's, here's a link to sign up. Now, obviously you got to operate within the rules of whoever set up this group, but you know, that might be one way um, you could literally advertise on LinkedIn or Facebook and, you know, drive, prospects to a, um, you know, create ads, even though you don't have a product yet, create ads that would bring someone to a page where maybe there's a very short video that just gets them to fill out the form. Um, that would give you the added benefit of also having an idea, at least a, a sense of what is it going to cost for me to advertise on Facebook or Google to be able to, you know, attract this audience. It may not be exact when you're you know down the road when you're actually running your advertising but at least you have a sense like so if you're expecting it's going to cost 50 cents to get someone to your page and you find out wow it costs 15 bucks uh that might be really important information that might impact the pricing that you go out with on on your software uh because if you price it too low at 15 bucks a click you're you know you're, you're not going to last very long so does that give you some some insights into how you might do it? Yeah, um, you know, it, the simplest answer is uh, usually the best answer. Right? 
you know, pick up the phone. Uh, yeah, if you have customers, great, survey them, but well, pick up the phone. Um, but then, you know, my question is always, then how do you price it? All right, how do you, how do you know? So, all right, ads, add to the expense, okay. But I mean, what, how do you know what the market will really bear? Because I usually see people, they, they underprice yeah. you know, when they start. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that you can do is you can sort of get a sense of what other things are being sold at in that market. So, for example, in in some markets, like in the fitness market, if you were to sell information in the fitness market that was anything above a hundred dollars, it's going to be it's going to be a bit of a challenge. That's just kind of the range that people are willing to pay for in the in the fitness and health space. There's obviously exceptions, but in general, uh, things are you know less than. 200 bucks. Um, whereas in other markets, uh, 200 bucks might be low end. So you want to get a sense for, this comes out of market research. So you want to get a sense of what are people accustomed to spending for other tools, other services, um, and get an idea uh, based on that. That's a good starting point. But I would totally agree with you that um, whether it's a coaching program or uh, you know group coaching, one-on-one coaching, um, a training course or software, people tend to make the mistake of underpricing. Um, There's a lot of marketing mistakes and sales mistakes that you can overcome with higher pricing. Uh, So for example, in the the example that we're talking about before with, you know, the Facebook costs, you know, if, if you're, you can get away with some Facebook advertising mistakes, if you're selling a $10,000 group coaching program versus a, you know, a $10 ebook, you know, with a $10 ebook, you, you've got to get everything perfectly dialed in and it still may not be possible to make a profit on that. Um, whereas with a $10,000 $10, coaching program, there's no guarantees just based on the pricing, but you have a lot more leeway to play with. So you can be a very average Facebook marketer um, and still get away with at least you know, failing forward into a business that that works. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. I just lost your audio. Oh, put it on mute. My, my daughter ran a blender. That's the wonderful, wonderful joys of working from home with seven kids. <laughs> I hear you. My son's home business. I have all seven right now. Um, so you you opened up, you know, talking about the the deadline to go to Australia for six weeks and start giving things away. Mm-hmm. Uh, walk me through that because I know 
most people hang on, they're hanging on to too many things. I'm hanging on to too many things. I'm constantly trying to figure out, you know, I got three different teams and, and I'm giving stuff away. It's rare that they'll come to me and say, Hey, here's a better way. Let me take this off your plate. So that's how I know. So I know like, I have good people, but not great people. Cause they, they'll execute what I give them. So I'm still kissing some frogs, right? Looking for that one. That's, that's looking over the horizon for me, but at least, you know, they, they are good at what I give them. Right. Um, but how, how, like, how do you take that full leap? Right. Cause you leaving for six weeks. I got to imagine you were, you were trying to give away 90% of what you do, right. To, so you could have a yeah, lot. At least, yeah. At least, um, at least in terms of the day-to-day stuff, right, right. Um, you know, things like being the voice of the company, you know, the PR things like our conversation here and that was still very much in my, in my court, but for six weeks I could hand things over. So um, let me ask you a quick question. Are, are, is most of your, are most of your team members um, U S um, or overseas no, or most are overseas? Yeah. So a couple okay. are U S. Yeah. So, you know, my, and I, all I can do is share with you my experience. So I've got, I've got team members who like some of my best coders are not um, from the U S Canada, Australia, et cetera. They're from Serbia. They're from, uh, Russia, Ukraine, et cetera. Um, and that's, that's a good, I've found personally, that's a good part of the world. If you're going to do software to get coders from, it's not the only one, but I've tried India. I've tried the Philippines. I've tried different areas for me personally. Um, the best area is, um, is, is the areas that I was talking about. So in terms of, to get back to your question, which is how do you, how do you go from basically having, people who are just waiting for you to delegate those tasks. I'm saying it slightly differently, but I think a lot of people have that problem. They, 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 they read the four hour work week or they, you know, they, they, they consume some information about, Hey, if you want to scale your business, you got to get virtual assistance. Well, there's a, there's a level of building people around you where you're still delegating tasks. You're still the gatekeeper handing out these tasks. And so you're never out of the loop. Um, and so you want to be one step more removed from that. So you kind of have to hire to two levels which means that you do have people where there is a task assigned to them and they perform the task, it's reviewed and et cetera. So that's, that's one level, but then you need to have that other level where you've brought someone in who you are going to pay more, um, sometimes substantially more, but what you get when you make that proper hire is that you get someone who can see your vision and understand where you're going. And now you're communicating the vision to them and they're giving you feedback. They're almost have an almost equal seat at the table. Um, and they're the ones who are actually managing the people who are just receiving the tasks. And so that was really important. So uh, in my case, um, when I was speaking with Anthony, I saw that he had the potential to grow into that role. I was really impressed with him. And, and he was on an, on an hourly basis and he had other clients at the time. And he told me, look, I really want to... I, I want to get paid more money. Um, I really see the potential of what you're building. Uh, and that's what I want. And at the, at the same time, I had a need, which is, okay, well, in six months, I don't want to be up at 3 a.m. And I've been holding on to too many things, still delegating to him and everyone else on the team. Um, you know, me being the one handing out these tasks and assignments that then have to come back to me, like the feedback loop still involves me. So we set up a plan where 
he was going to be managing uh, the other people on the team. And it was a gradual process. Um, and yeah, it's, it's been fantastic. So now we have multiple people on the team that, so for example, in our, on our engineering side, uh, the software developers, um, I've got a really talented guy named Alex and, and he is the one that, you know, manages the, the software team. He reports to Anthony um, and then we've got our client success team and we've got someone that they report to um, and they report to Anthony. So, you know, and then everyone, you know, we have our weekly meetings. And so, um, yeah, once it takes a long time to get to that point. But when you build it right the first time and you're willing to invest the money and the right people, it completely changes the dynamics of your company and what you're able to do and the quality of your, your life. Um, so it gave me the, I, if, if I had not built a team of A players, you know, if I had gone out and said, okay, I want a software company, but I don't want to pay, you know, top rate. I want to, you know, go to some of the least expensive places to be able to, you know, have code written, then I would still be, you know, stuck. I wouldn't be able to, to, to do the things that I'm doing. Um, and so it's really by hiring the best people that you have access to and understanding it's going to cost quite a bit more money, but what you get in return is just, it's almost priceless. So did this guy have a sales role? Was it all operations? No, there's, there's no, there's, there's no, there's no sales. So all of our, so all of our sales, um, we don't have a salesperson per se. I mean, we've got, you know, a, a lot of, a lot of what I do is outbound. Um, I should say outbound, but like PR, um, getting on podcasts, doing webinars with uh, influencers in our space, creating videos that get advertised on YouTube and Facebook, um, writing the email sequences. So everything that has to do with messaging um, is really generated by me. Even when we hire outside copywriters, I'm still the one kind of setting the tone for, okay, here's what we're going for. They write the copy. It comes back. I review it. You know, other people on the team have their say, but the messaging side of things is something that currently I own, even if I'm not writing every single word of the copy um, it's on me. And so a lot of the sales and marketing and messaging comes down to stuff that I put out there. There's no, there's no process where, you know, someone is is saying, okay, I'm not sure about this deadline funnel thing. Can you, let me get on the phone with someone and, and, and sell me on the benefits of doing deadline funnel. Um, you know, people sign up for a free trial and, you know, they probably heard about me on a podcast from a thought influencer, from a, uh, from an influencer, a business leader, thought leader, um, or I was on a webinar um, or they've probably heard, you know, it's, they probably, you know, after several years of doing this, they've probably actually heard about us in a bunch of different loca uh, locations. And one of the things that's been really, really instrumental for us is this flywheel concept. Um, are you familiar with that from, um, I think his last name is Collins. Um, but, um, you know, this was, this was something that Jeff Bezos said, I think back in the early 2000s, that was really instrumental in helping Amazon grow was understanding your flywheel concept. So for us, um, Part of that flywheel is, and, and by the way, anyone who's interested in this, there's a very, very short book on it um, that you can get on Amazon. Um, I think it's Turning the Flywheel or something like that. But anyways, it's by the same guy who wrote Good to Great. So it's a very short book. You can go through it very, very quickly, but then you got to sit down and actually create your own flywheel because it's, it's something that once you understand the concept, okay, now you have to go somewhere quiet 
and think about, okay, what is my flywheel? What do I think that it is? So for us, a big component of our flywheel is, is the culture. And it may sound a little bit woo-woo or soft and squishy, but the, you know, the, the culture that I've built on the team is such that I make sure that everyone on my team understands no one woke up this morning hoping and praying that yet another software company has um, a monthly or annual subscription thing that they can sign up for. No one wants that. But we have thousands and thousands of clients who love what we do. So why is that? Well, it's because we help people bridge the gap from the business they have to the business they want to, to, to the business they want to have. Our job, therefore, is not to just teach them, here's how to use our platform. Our job is to do everything that we can to help them cross that chasm. So that, that means that might show up in ways like someone has a question that has to do with a, a weird nuance of SAM card or Entreport or um, Kajabi, because all three of those that I've named, I could, I could list out some funky things that if you're not aware of them, they might trip you up. Your typical software company, as soon as you mention some other platform that you're trying to integrate with it, it instantly the response is, look, uh, you're going to have to contact their support team because you know we're, we're just here to talk about our software. Our attitude is, look, um, let's, let's help you get across that chasm. If that means we need to go sign up as a free trial on someone else's platform to figure it out, we'll go do that. And so Part of that flywheel is by creating happy clients, they spread the word, which brings in extra revenue, which gives me the ability to hire A players. The A players treat my clients even better and build an even better platform. And the flywheel spins and spins and spins. And that's been a key element of our growth. So I'm not sure. I'm trying to figure out where follow the thread back to the original, the original <laughs> question. But well, I think it had, I think it had to do with like, how, how did, how did I, how did I go from like, um, how did I go from having people that I delegated to, to having uh, a system where I'm more of the CEO in the business. And yeah, so hopefully. How do you, how do you outsource? How do you assign? Right. Because for those listening that don't have an inbound model, you know, and if it if it's relying on some component of sales, um, you know, how would they make that transition? How do you how do you delegate? Because yeah. you have operations, you have you have development, you have your fulfillment, you know. But then if you get the sales component, that can be tough, right? You're, you're juggling additional things, um, you know. So I was asking how what? how do you juggle that? Yeah, one of the I just remembered one of the key things that. Um, when I read this, I realized I was already doing it, but I, I want to share it with you because for someone who has, so um, Michael Hyatt, he's written several books and I forget which book this one came from. Um, but I believe in one of the, one of the books that I read recently um, from Michael Hyatt, he talked about the difference between um, giving someone tasks versus giving someone a responsibility. So in other words, there's a huge difference. Let's take content creation. So if, if you wanted to outsource content creation, you might go to, I wouldn't recommend Fiverr, but you, know, you could go to Fiverr or Upwork, or you may know someone through a contact who can create a piece of content. And you're going to have a conversation about, okay, here's what I want the content to say. Here's what I want it to be. I want it to have these keywords, et cetera. And then they go in and write the content and they come back. Well, that's a task. Okay. And you can judge them on that task. And maybe they do another task, but eventually you want someone who becomes your content manager, someone whose job it is, whose role it is 
to manage the content, to you know, reviewing the existing content and past content. Does it need to be updated? Um, does it need to be promoted differently? Um, do the images need to be updated, et cetera? But also for new content, you know, so it's not no longer your job. You you are involved in the conversation about um, about content, and you can certainly veto certain content, um, but you're not the one whose responsibility it is to manage the content creation. And then you would set certain goals for, okay, what would be in, in this? And you would have the content person um, have a conversation with you about, let's talk about what are some, what are some milestones and goals that we can set for this role as the content creation person. So in the same way, I don't, I, I, so I've done that with, um, with content creation. I've done that certainly with design. I've done that with software. We, we have stuff now where, Things get created um, where I'm part of the conversation, but then, you know, I may be involved in the conversation for 10 minutes. And then a few months later, there's this beautiful new feature that shows up that's been through design. Um, It's been tested. Like everything's happened where I really haven't touched it um, except for having that initial conversation. So I don't, I don't really, so I haven't built what I just described for a sales team. So I might be talking out of school, but I don't see why that you couldn't do that with a sales team. So it'd be one thing to hire a salesperson and say, okay, you're hired to close these sales. I'm going to put you through my training. You're going to listen to my phone calls and you're going to, I'm going to guide you on how to do this. If they show promise, why couldn't they be in charge? And, and as you hire additional people, you say, look, you're now in charge. You're my best salesperson. I think that you have leadership qualities. You're now in charge of uh, either outbound or inbound phone sales. And here are the metrics that we're going to judge you by. Um, and you have that conversation, you get agreement, you give them ownership, big believer in the book by, um, the, uh, the other Navy SEAL blanket on the name, um, Jocko, Jocko yeah. Extreme ownership. Mm-hmm. Um, so making sure that they're very clear, everyone's very clear on what the, what the metrics are and giving them ownership. You own this, right. And you're going to be, you know, you're, you're going to be judged based on how well you perform, but you own it. Like, I'm going to, I'm going to let you run with like, exact, like once you understand what the strategy is, the exact tactics, I want to be kept in the loop, but don't wait for me to tell you what to do. You're responsible for this. Does that help? Yeah. Have you had, has this burned you, you know, have you had somebody, cause you see all the time employees like, that place wouldn't run without me. You know, I'm the one, I took that last product from beginning to end, you know, and, and they, they step out on you. Um, We have very low turnover. It's not zero, but we have very low turnover. Um, We, you know, one of the things that I, I, again, I, I don't think, I don't think people give luck enough, um, enough (laughs) credit. So there's a, there's an element of, of luck here, but I think there are some things that have done well. And some of one of the things that I think that have done really well is that I, when a testimonial comes in and it comes in pretty, pretty often from clients, one of the things that I do is that I will share it in our Slack channel and make sure that everyone sees it. I'll take a screenshot or I'll share the video and I don't say, look at how amazing I am. It's, I give all the credit away. Kudos, Anthony, kudos, Ernesto, kudos, Samia, you know, and I, and I specifically say what they did 
to make that happen. And then I point out your, I want to, I want to make sure that you guys know, even though I've told you before, you are changing lives. These people are folks who have businesses that now they're able to do things that they were never able to do before. And this is just one of many people, like for every one person that says, you guys are incredible and here's why, there's hundreds of other people that felt that way, but didn't take the time to send that in. So I think, a, you know, I think a good leader gives credit away as much as possible. Um, and, per, you know, I can only share what I've found. What I've found is that people, you know, when you give credit away, they, you know, they, they, they feel good about what they're doing. People fundamentally want to do cool things with cool people and make cool money. Um, you know, and so if you're paying them well, if you're giving them, you know, if you're giving them a, if you're, if you're making sure that, that there is a sense of, of accomplishment that we're having an impact, um, and things are not boring in the same every single day. Um, and they get to, to try new things and to stretch their wings and to come up with ideas. Um, then I, my experience is that people are, people are happy. Yeah, I wouldn't ever say loyal because, you know, when you get right down to it, people are, are going to do what's best for them. But when what's best for them is to stay in this great working environment, then they don't want to leave. It's not out of a sense of loyalty or duty. It's really more out of a sense of this is a great working environment. I like the culture here. You know, and just like anything, uh, just like a product that you sell, it's not always going to gel with everyone. But, you know, having a few key employees that or team members that are really, really A players, I, I just can't express how much of a difference it can have on your business and therefore your life. It's just absolutely amazing. And one last thing that I'll mention is, you know, I, this kind of comes back to what I was saying before about one of the gifts that I had in my last corporate jobs that my bosses were such a-holes. Um, so, um, the other, the other thing is that it's basically created, I, I, I consider it the George Costanza blueprint for how to build a, a great company to work for, which is, I just think about all the bullshit that I had to deal with. And I think, okay, I'm going to do the opposite because while I was going through that hell, I thought if I ever start a business, I'm going to do the opposite of what these turds are doing. And so that's really, that's really been my, my North star is just, the opposite of the, the crap that I had to deal with. Can you build a culture with a virtual team? Um, I, I, I want to believe that you can. Yeah. You know, it, everything, everything takes work. And, and, you know, again, I think that inside of every challenge is, is an opportunity. Um, and, you know, that's not just Pollyanna ish. I, I think, you know, as an entrepreneur, it's our job to try to adapt and overcome. And, um, you know, so we are, whether we want to be or not, we're right now in a remote working environment. Uh, for me, it's been this way for years. Um, so, uh, you know, even though I didn't know it, I was sort of in training for this situation for a long time. Um, but yeah, you can create a culture in a, in a remote working environment. I think, I think a lot of it comes down to continually telling your story and what's important and communicating it to, uh, to your team members so that they under, understand, um, you know, how important it is and, and how you're changing people's lives. So, yeah, I believe that you can create a culture. Absolutely. So who's a good fit for your software? Is it, um, is it B2B? Is it B2B? Yeah. Is it? 
B2C? Yeah, I would say I would say small B. Um, so a lot of our clients are uh, course creators, not all of them, uh, but um, some of them are coaches, consultants. Some of them sell physical products on Shopify. So there's not necessarily just one uh, target audience, but I would say if you created a pie chart, the biggest slice of the pie would be course creators. Um, and so, yeah, we work with people who are either solo entrepreneurs or they've got their own small team. And um, yeah, what we, I've, I've heard you say on several of your podcasts, uh, which I'm a big believer in, which is small hinges swing big doors. And so when you, when you increase your conversion rate and you increase um, other aspects of things like cart value or lifetime value of, of your, of your clients, um, it gives you the ability to afford traffic, afford advertising that previously you weren't able to afford. Um, it also gives you the ability to have a longer time horizon to take your time hiring those A players um, and to be able to afford bringing people onto your team that are going to uh, really move the needle for your, for your business. So, you know, as, as simple as it, as it seems, um, you know, the, the, the secret is consistently doing the right things day after day. It's sort of like your, you know, if I, if I came to you and said, Hey, you're a, you're a purple belt, um, Brazilian jiu-jitsu guy. What's, you know, how do, how do I do that uh, as, as quickly as possible? The answer is like, it's what you do every single day or every single week, you know, it's showing up, it's doing the right things and it's being consistent about it. So the way you get to a multi-million dollar business, regardless of what niche it's in, I believe it fundamentally comes down to doing the right things consistently. It's what you do every day, every week. It's not what you do this one time or one secret. It's surprisingly, it's the, it's the boring stuff. It's the stuff that, you know, may not get you on the cover of Forbes magazine, but you're just showing up and doing the right things on a consistent basis. Right. So no easy button, man. Uh... <laughs> well, um, you know, signing up for our platform certainly adds, adds uh, jet fuel to if, you, if you've got a promotion that's already working, it'll add jet fuel to it. So, um, but it doesn't, it doesn't, it's not going to solve all your problems. Um, yeah. All right, man. So what is it? It's almost five here. So what is it for you? Like nine? Yeah, 10 a.m. 10 a.m. 10 a.m. Yep. Very cool. So how does tomorrow look? Because it's, 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 yeah, it's well, the day for me. Is tomorrow a pretty good day? Yeah, it's a it's a beautiful day. In fact, I'm I'm probably going to head out and uh, and go foil surfing in a, in a little bit. Foil surfing? Oh, I've been been seeing that. Haven't done it yet. Looks pretty cool. Is it hard? Yeah, it it it's it's a different beast. It's yeah. I, I describe it as riding one skateboard on top of another. That's the type of balance that you need. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm always so sore anyway from jujitsu. I don't know if I need to be sore from anything else. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Um, is there is there any kite surfing out where you are? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's and that's my surfing. yeah friend of mine. Uh, actually, I do jujitsu with, but he only does two or three days a week, maybe, and I go five and six days. So, but he he was a um, he did something on the water. I don't know if he was coast guard or if he was like some kind of police ranger, but assigned to the water. So he's, he's been on the water his whole life. Um, and he retired from that. So he's has a little more time in his hands to go goof off. And he has a twin brother locally that has a boat. So they, you know, 
I need to become better friends with him the more I talk about yeah. this. So thanks for reminding yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> better than having a boat is a friend with a boat. Yeah, Absolutely. they say yeah, it flies or floats, right? Rent it. Uh, very cool, man. So deadlinefunnel.com is your business. Jack Bourne, don't, don't trust him on uh, his LinkedIn. He's not from Florida anymore. He's, he's down under. So uh, I've got a, I, I was locked out of LinkedIn for about a year and a half because my, my US phone, it was attached to my US phone. I had two factor authentication turned oh. off. <laughs> yeah. So it took a while to get back in. So now that I'm back in, I need to update my profile. All right. Sounds good. All right. So deadlinefunnel.com. Jack Bourne, thanks for sharing your wisdom, man. It's been great. It's been good chatting with you, Wes. All right, man. Have a great day. So if you're launching something, I hope this helps. If you've noticed, I'm always asking my guests for the details, right? How did you get that first paying customer? How did you get even a beta customer to try something? Do you do you have them pay when they're a beta customer, you know, even an alpha customer, do you offer them a discount in the future when you do create it? So there's always so many little nuances, but you got to get started. You know, I always say you can't steer a parked car. It's good to have some pressure. You know, when I was, heck, I turned 28 on unemployment um, had an infant son. He was not quite a year old. And my second son was born five days before my first turned one. Living in an apartment. Um, almost no family around. Didn't know anybody in the city of Mobile other than my dad and my stepmom. And that back against the wall is what forced me to take a job selling trailers. And that proved to me that I could sell. I made $100,000 that year. You know, it's about 150 today. And, you know, the sales whisperer was born. So don't, don't shy away from pressure. Okay. Use it to help you focus. Use it to help you take a lot of action. You're never a hundred percent sure which one's going to work. So to try multiple things, uh, but get out there and push it. You know, I love what he talked about, you know, getting, you know, don't present your idea and ask their opinion, get accurate feedback. So you don't waste your time. You know, Henry Ford said, I think he said it, you know, it could be one of those tall tales. But, you know, he said, if you asked the consumer what they wanted, they would have told you a faster horse. They say Steve Jobs, you know, he says, you know, the customer doesn't know what I want until I show it to him or until I give it to him. And there's a lot of truth in that, you know, but those were visionary guys. Okay. On the top of their game. Um, but Look at, at how people are using things. Look at where they put their money. That's how you know what really works. That's why I think focus groups and things like that are not as effective anymore, um, especially with politics. People, they say what they think you want to hear. So pay attention to what they do. That's how you know what to create. Okay? If you need more help with that, if you need help focusing, if you need help getting some clarity, if you need help scripting things, getting down to the brass tacks, automating, streamlining your CRM, your email marketing, your marketing automation, your sales automation, hit me up. Okay. I've got the free quiz, bestcrmforme.com, uh, or then just go to the saleswhisperer.com, hit the contact us and I will help you. All right. Thanks for listening. I'll go sell something.
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.